and we're back with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Sorry, Joe, I hit the wrong button. I hit the start button. Oh, you were in the middle of a rant. It's Gerald Glassberg right here with the Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture. How are those Dodgers? <laughs> Every week, twice a week, wherever you get your podcast. Plus, if you could like, share, subscribe, follow, do whatever it is that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football Game Source. Of course, the great folks at LakersBall.com. Go ahead and check out Joe Sorrell's angst on Los Angeles teams, not always named the Los Angeles Lakers right there for you at LakersBall.com. Plus also as well, he owns a great company that he isn't angry at because he runs it so well. It is Simblades. Simblades with a Y. What if Dave Roberts was running Simblades? <laughs> I don't think Joe would, would be, like There that. would be no Simblades if he was running it. <laughs> it would be dead after a year. Or That's I would have right. thrown him off a cliff by then. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do like everything out there when it comes to a great lawn in the Southern California area, yeah, I, I guess Dodger Stadium, Chavez Ravine could use a new uh, kind of lawn. Go ahead and do it today with Simblades, SimbladesWithTheY.com. Our good friend Stone Hansen, who's here with us today, back again, talk about the NBA draft, has been working extremely hard, sometimes with uh, two, three podcasts within 24 hours pop up on my feed right there for you at the upside swings nba draft podcast him and the guys are really working hard so please go ahead and follow them check out their podcast go ahead and get the latest news and notes from the nba draft right there at upsideswings.com plus also as well lakerholics.com unfortunately everyone out there no lakerholics this weekend both guys are on the move for graduations and other stuff in other states so Go ahead and check them out next week, but you can always catch them at Lakerholics.com and our good friend, John McCallion. John McCallion was up last night with some good conversations. So go ahead and subscribe today at the John McCallion channel. And speaking of subscribing, if you've not hit the little Joe, no, not this little Joe, not this little Joe right here. No, the other little Joe in the right corner right there with the big eyes. Go ahead and subscribe today on YouTube to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air. Same thing if you like us on Facebook and our social media. Go ahead and do so today. And if you can, it is sincerely appreciated. Well, the Lakers, in less than a week, have a big date ahead, as many other teams in the NBA do. And that is for the NBA draft. A lot of people are really looking forward to it. Some of the moves, not only with the draft choices themselves, but also. Also, maybe some trades outside of it. Who knows what will go on because all these names are being bandied about. You're here today to talk about much of it is a good man indeed. You got to go ahead and check him out today with the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast. It is Stone Hansen and Stone. Dodger talk aside, my friend. <laughs> Always great to have you here. Yeah, I'm uh, happy to be back on and, and talk draft. This is obviously the busiest time of the year, but uh, I'm feeling good. Um, you know, we're, we're in the home stretch here of only, uh, what is it, six more days now. So, um, you know, I'm looking really forward to it. It's my Christmas every year. This is, you know, my, my favorite day of the year. So um, we're, we're closer and closer each and every day. I don't see an NBA draft tree right behind you. 
it's coming it's it, it's on its way being shipped it's like the rockefeller tree except it's it's going to be all draft ornaments okay well i'm going to let joe soro you know if he has any questions right off the bat i'm going to make sure you have plenty of time for your observations i understand as well some things that i also want to discuss in regards to the 17th pick some options that the lakers might have not just picking but also possible trade as well so we'll talk about that coming first but joe i understand your angst over the dodgers and the poor decision making there let's hope rob will not have that same kind of poor decision making although we just heard before we went on air dave mcmenamin reported that john pastoric one of the advanced scouts for la and a player development coach has now left the organization to go ahead to join frank vogel of all people at phoenix Without that inside, there's still plenty of brain trust there to make decisions on the draft. What are your questions to Stone and see what we can go ahead and get uh, accomplished here for tonight? In in navigating the NBA landscape at the moment, I think I was able to finally find something of relevance today Mm -hmm. coming from uh, Wojnowski, Woj, in that he sees the Lakers doing what we've been talking about. Uh, which is standing pat, not going for the big fish, and controlling what you can control. Now, the 17th pick, I'm obviously not anywhere near Stone Hansen's expertise here, which is why I enjoy him on the show, because he can always be that guy, right? I don't have to put in that extra work. Stone's put in extra work. Uh, I'm... I've seen maybe five or six mocks uh, online and they all have different picks. <laughs> so I really don't know. I honestly can tell you there is no little, there's no way of, of knowing, at least from my end uh, on what, what direction this is going to go. So I, so stone, I guess my, my, my first question, and, and this is going to be more NBA draft question versus a Laker draft is why do we keep hearing uh, Brandon Miller is going to go too? I want I really want to know why, why would Charlotte do that? Why would Charlotte do that? Because they already have LaMelo folks don't best player. This is the NBA draft. You can sort of do that in the NFL draft, sort of do it in the MLB draft. NBA draft, you have to draft the best player available. So, Stone, let is it just fluff? Is it just BS? To, just just because, or or what? What is the, does that have any legs? So, uh, anyone who obviously follows the NBA to any sort of degree does know that this is the time of season where there's just smoke screens galore, right? Every everybody wants to put out different narratives and leak different things to reporters because um, they want to to make teams think that they're doing what they aren't doing, right? That's uh, It's all leverage plays a lot of the time. Um, I think that it's not as solidified that Miller is going to as it's being made out to be. I think a lot of reports have him going to. Um, personally, I think that would be a mistake. I actually see LaMelo and Scoot being a, a fantastic fit, Um People view them both as primary ball handlers. I think Lamelo is even better as an off-ball guy rather than an on-ball guy. A lot of people will disagree with me because that's just the role that Lamelo has been playing since he got drafted. 
Um, but I think that's actually not when you look at like the catch and shoot numbers, he's 8% better as a catch and shoot guy uh, coming off of assisted shots rather than self-created shots. Like I think he's just better off ball. Um, his passing is really nice when he's able to do it off the ball and process what's happening before he gets the ball. And I think um, he's not the level of advantage creator that Scoot is. Like I think Scoot uh, is able to get downhill better, is able to create more as an initiator better than LaMelo can. And that's not any knock on LaMelo because I think LaMelo is still a fantastic, great young player. But I think LaMelo um, is even better as a and helps the team more as an off-ball guy. And I think him and, and Scoot would be a fantastic pairing. I think that a lot of the Brandon Miller stuff um, I, I think it's 50-50. I don't think um, it's 100% that, that Miller's going to, and I don't think uh, we can definitively say at this point that Scoot's going number two. But I think um, there is definitely a, a aspect of it that is smokescreen where um, they want people to think that Scoot might be dropping to number three and, and get teams to go you know, all the way to three. Uh, thinking that that Scoot might be there when in reality Scoot will be gone. And, um, you know, that just means for the Hornets that that's one less team that has less assets because they traded up to three to get Scoot rather than thinking that that Miller might be there. So I think that there's smoke screens to be had, different leverage angles to be had. Um, But I think there's still a, a very decent chance that Scoot actually does go number two despite the reporting. And actually, I wanted to go ahead and interject on that because it depends who you ask. I know that the Search and Destroy was asking that in the chat. It depends who you ask. I know Jonathan Gavoni and also Rafael Barlow have both talked about leaning Miller. I think that for me, Scoot is the answer at number two. I think there's no question about it from what I've seen, the hours that I put in on both, plus also the fact I've seen live uh, Scoot in Henderson here when he was facing off against Victor Wimbyama it left such a great impression on me as far as his sheer competitiveness, leadership, and willing to win. And and he went in there with the mindset he was the number one draft pick and not Victor. And, and you've got to have that mindset. And I'm not sure Miller has that kind of mindset when it all comes down to it. I just see also more talent. And the fact is if he can just eventually broaden his, his stroke – to the three-point area the way it does from the mid-range. I just think that, you know, all signs are pointing to some really good things for Scoot Anderson. But depends who you ask. I hear everybody from, you know, I, I like you, Stone, your show, all the other shows that are out there, Sam Vecini, all the experts, all the experts out there and, and the guys and gals that are out there that are, that are into this really have mixed you know, results and analysis on who is that number two pick. So there is no definitive number two pick. I can say this right now. I know that this week Charlotte did work out both Miller and Henderson and Henderson was better. According to all reports, they're going to bring both of them back in over the weekend as far as who, but then again, that's just a one on nothing one on a chair, you know, just t- you know taking shots. That's, that's not a five on five full, you can get a, that type of read on that. And I get that. But when it comes right down to it, for me, I would be picking Henderson. But there's so many experts out there like yourself that are leaning that way, but also on the other end as well. And I, I think, too, a, a big part of where I've gone on the draft is um, I, I 
like to me, Scoot is the clear cut number two in this draft. And I know people will disagree. I think what's almost even more important to me in terms of how I've shifted, how I, I think about the draft in a big, you know, big picture perspective is that I think process of, of what you're thinking when you take the pick matters a lot. So if you think that Scoot can't work with LaMelo, I think that's just a failed process because I think that's missing what LaMelo is as an off-ball player. But if you think Miller's just a better player than Scoot, although I might disagree quite a bit, I think it's better just to to base your pick on that rather than than the fit problems that you may have at number two, if that makes sense. I do want to mention before I get it back to you, Joe, Adam had an excellent question about right now, can teams make trades? Uh, the thing is that they can actually come up with trades you know, regarding the draft picks and certain players and packages. But when it concerns players, existing players, it has to wait to be announced. Plus also if the draft choices, like for instance, the Lakers cannot trade their draft pick away. They actually have to choose the draft pick. Now they can come to an agreement with anybody on where they ultimately send that draft pick after they make it. But, uh, you know, like I said, essentially they have to make that choice to do the, do the Ted Stepien rule. But I will say that, yes, trades can be negotiated and agreed upon, but if it involves existing players, I believe obviously do the cap and the thing, you know, because of July one, it, it rolls over to a new salary cap and all that stuff that as far as the new CBA and all that that you can't just, you know, for the most part, pl trade players outright or players and picks or packages until you get into the draft. You can come to an agreement on it, and then it really solidifies itself during early July, if I'm not mistaken, Stone. Unless it's for existing players under contract that fit under the cap. Yeah, so I do believe that the Lakers, as you're uh, alluding to, have to technically They have to make the pick, pick. yes. But beforehand they can consult the player they're going to trade that pick to and that and that team can tell them you know this is who we want you to take at 17 so yes. essentially the other team is making that pick it's just by technicality formats the lakers are, are the ones selecting it on draft night but in reality whatever team they might be trading it to is, is are the ones who have the decision of who they're picking Search and destroy. That's a great question. That's going to lead into my, my questions here in a sec. But before I ask it, Joe, what's your next thought? What's your next uh, inquiry with Stone? Any thoughts that you want to go ahead and, and bring Stone out on? Yes. Which player will drop unexpectedly? I wish I had the answer to this. Um, this is the my my job in the draft is to evaluate in scout on who these players are what i cannot tell you unfortunately which i wish i could tell you is exactly where these players are going i just don't have that sort of intel i wish i did i wish i could tell you i do my best to figure out what that is but i don't have anything you know other outside of Wimbanyama going number one that's really concrete i think that there's different guesses we can take for sure if we want to go down that road in this conversation but i think um it's very this draft in particular is very difficult to determine because I think there's a lot of players that have three, four different slots within the lottery. And then once you get outside the lottery, there's um, the way I've been defining it is, is it seems to be there's like a 12, a top 12, it appears at this point in time within the draft. And outside of that 12, there's maybe another five, six guys. Uh, and then once you get past there, there's, you know, 
uh, probably 40 guys you can make a case with that, that can go anywhere between 25 and, and 60 really. So there's, I wish I had a better answer for you, Joe, but unfortunately I just don't have that sort of Intel. Plus also, we don't know all the medical reports because quite often if you see a player that's dropping, like for instance, Bryce Sensabaugh, I know that there's been some rumors about, you know, his knees, which might be part of the reason why he might be dropping already in mock drafts. But, you know, when it comes to draft night, sometimes there's some reports, medical issues that come to light that only the teams know about. And you, if you see a player that drops, you could actually see them drop because of that reason primarily, rather than just based off of like a talent evaluation basis per se. So that that's usually when somebody drops over 10 spots, I usually think it's a medical issue. Is that not correct, Stone? Medical or or some sort of off court thing that I just don't have the intel yeah. on. I would, uh, like I said, I would love to have that sort of info. I just don't at this point. The other aspect is when I'm viewing or evaluating prospects. For example, like Derek Whitehead in in this year's draft, for for instance. Um, I think second foot surgery. I think correct. He had a foot surgery uh, prior to the Duke season, and he missed some games in the beginning, and then he just had one over this off season. Yeah. Um, I am not a medical expert. I wish I was, and I, I knew how these long term would affect him. Um, in general, the the skepticism is, you know, if someone's had multiple lower body injuries, that's a big red flag. Not every lower body injury is is the same is equal. There's a lot of guys that go on to have very successful careers. There's a lot of guys that have totally flame out careers and don't last very long. I don't think it's wise to say this guy has injury red flags and therefore should not be on the Lakers radar. I think that without this proper medical evaluation, it's too difficult to determine that. So the way I, I view prospects and evaluate them is I just don't really factor it in because I don't have that sort of intel to, to make a definitive decision on that. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I don't feel like that people have done that as much, especially with this international release. You can get it out there right now. I know you can get it out there, but it, it feels like this time last year, people have just been like, oh, you can get you the Here's cell phone copy, version you know. that was taped somewhere where it's like, you know, shell shaky <laughs> has some dude or some family that's walking right in front of you as they're finding their seat with the popcorn already in hand. No, you know, come that, on, you, really? yeah, that version is already available. Yeah. But I mean, like with a mono I, sound. There you go. Oh God. Yeah. That's, that's the worst part. You only get sound on the left ear, yeah. not the right ear. Something like that. You can find that version already. If you really want to. That's the pop culture Cosmo show. And the PCC multiverse. Catch our shows on worldwide radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it's the Lakers fast break. It's Gerald Glasser along with Stone Hansen. Stone Hansen, you can check out his great show along with the rest of the awesome guys right there at the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast. And of course, Joe Soro from LakersBall.com. One of the things I want to ask you is actually up right now with BZ808, but also some other notable uh, comments have been made on it in regards to the 17th pick itself and also the fact that search was also, I believe, asking in regards to going up or down to the draft using the number 17 pick. I'm not so sure they have enough in assets to move up, 
but with Charlotte and Indiana among the teams with several picks in the 20s and 30s. Some of the, both of those have, what, three picks, I believe, in the 20s and 30s. There could be a package deal that the Lakers would be waived, you know, as far as if they don't see a person on their board that they like that's at 17, if it doesn't fall right, they could be entranced and, and invited on that. But also for an existing player, your thoughts on the possibility of the Lakers keeping that number 17 pick just for that reasons or those reasons. Yeah, for sure. I think that um, there's a case to be made both ways um, there. It, like I said, in, unless you're really in a front office, I think for anybody outside of that, it's difficult to know what players are going to be there at 17. Um, if there's a player I really like, I would rather just sit there and see who falls. If, by that point at 17, there's not really any players um, that I'm super into. And we could get into who those guys might be if you want. But um, then I am completely okay trading back to like the Nets have 21 and 22. The Pacers have, like, like, as you said, 26 and 29. And the Hornets 32. And 32. And the Hornets have uh, other picks. So I'm okay trading back depending on who's still there at 17. Um, but at this point, it's just impossible to know who might be there. So I would rather, you know, wait and see once we get to pick 17 or once, you know, pick 16 is around there and, and go from there. I don't know how the Lakers plan on viewing that. I do know um, I'm with Joe in that there's a lot of faulties to be had with Shams and Woj's reporting. Um, they're basically good for once trades happen, like that's who you go to. But in terms of speculation and stuff like that, um, there's a lot of you know, behind the scenes stuff as to why they tweet things they tweet. A lot but of smoke if, screens. Exactly. And if, but if my recommendation for a lot of people and, you know, I'm not, I'm not even friends with this person or, or getting paid to say this or anything, but is Jake Fisher out of Yahoo Sports, uh, formerly from Breacher Report. He has a lot of very good intel that he's putting out there that I don't believe to be, you know, um, uh, smoke screens or he, he's being told to say these things a lot of it is just things he's hearing and is just putting in articles and, and putting out there something he released you know at, this week maybe even today all my days are mixed up at this point but is that he said the lakers are considering trading down so it's definitely a real possibility i think and fisher is one of those guys that i i view as pretty reliable in terms of being accurate a lot of what he said has happened to come true and come to fruition so I do buy that as being a real possibility that we trade down. I think that the Lakers are going to want to see how the board shakes out, at least through the lottery, and then maybe go from there and discuss other options and, and maybe have those lined up being talking to teams being like, you know, if our guy isn't there at 15, 16, then we'd like to make this deal with you and, and have those plan B's set up ahead of time. Joe, any thoughts on that? I think that was very well said and I appreciate you answering that question because Again, for for me, I think those options have to stay relevant on the board, but also for an existing player as well, if that could be constructed as far as, uh, you know, with LeBron's time frame and window now closing very rapidly, you have to start thinking about, you know, maybe using that 17 pick on an existing player as well. He would have to, you would have to get a player of relevance, um, Sorry, this fireworks uh, being blown out behind me. And it's it's a normal thing every now and then. The 17th pick would have to be packaged with a signed D'Lo, D'Angelo Russell, 
and possibly Austin Reeves for a star. That's the only way I see that happening. It'll have to be somebody relevant to the point where they're like, we have one more year to go to win a championship before LeBron is gone. That's why I truly believe that none of that's going to happen. I, I believe the Lakers are going to stick with what they're with, with the game plan. They're going to draft 17. I, uh, I have full confidence they're going to pick the right player because they've been doing it for a very long time. They've been really good in that department. And then try and sign Rui and Austin Reeves. And I believe if they sign Rui and Austin Reeves and draft someone of relevance at 17, they'll look at this offseason as a success. Then it's waiting to see what happens with the Chris Paul situation. Will he play for the vet minimum? You do not bring in Chris Paul for a dime over the vet minimum. I don't care what he's done. I don't care where he is. I don't care how much he wants to play for the Lakers. Nothing over the vet minimum. That's where I, think, I stand on that. I think it's fair just to say not for a dime. Like I'm I'm completely fine not having Chris Paul on this roster despite it being a vet minimum. Sure. The there is a positive if he is there as a vet uh, vet uh, minimum. Uh, he does have some value. Granted, it might be for only half the season, but then that's the point. Point is, we need a couple of veteran players that are going to play a certain way when it matters. I know Chris Paul hasn't come through into in terms of championship, but I think to be fair, it's still a team game. He does have some. He is going to be a Hall of Famer. And he is a point guard. He is a ball handler. Those things all help someone like LeBron not have to burden the minutes during the season. I would seriously support if Darvin Ham came into the into training camp and said, listen, guys, we have Chris Paul at the veteran minimum. We are going to play him 24 minutes, and we're going to play LeBron 24 minutes the whole season. I, I would totally be cool with that. And that's ultimately why I would be okay with him there. If he doesn't play all year, fine. It doesn't matter. I just, I just want this roster to be put together in a, in a way where they can manage LeBron's minutes and manage AD's uh, effectiveness, which means they're going to have to get a center. A center is almost just as, as important as a shooter. They have to get a center. They have to play AD at the power forward position the majority of the season if they want him to play effectively. And I believe the 17th pick could play also a huge part in that if that pick is someone who's long and can shoot. Uh, most of the guys that I've seen in the, in the draft that are long and shoot are terrible on defense. Those who can play defense are usually short guys and so on and so on. There's no one in this draft other than in the top five pick, let's say, that have this kind of total package at least being able to play defense a little bit and shoot. It's like you either shoot, you're tall, or and can't play defense, or vice versa. And they're going to have to hit and hope that whoever they draft is one of those guys that holds himself accountable, is willing to prove the naysayers wrong, and it ends up helping the Lakers, which hey, we've had that, guys. We've had that with, with undrafted players. So why not at 17? Why not at 17? Yeah, I, I do want to, um, I'll, I'll start off with saying that I 100% agree with you that 
I would not trade this pick. Um, I, I would consider trading down, like I said, depending on who's still on the board, but it's just impossible to know at this point. But I 100% agree with you in the fact that I would not trade this pick for a player, <coughs> excuse me, for a player that unless it's a part of a package to bring back like this star level player, not even necessarily a superstar, but just somebody that um, isn't, <coughs> excuse me, uh, like a marginal type player. I don't want to trade the 17th pick for someone like Bojan Bogdanovich, right? Like that's, I'm not looking for somebody to marginally help us in the short term. I think it's important to have somebody that is um, important long-term uh, because you want to have some sort of stable of youth moving forward, even past LeBron and AD. Someone obviously that can help us now. I, I don't. I think it's difficult to rely on rookies um, to be a big part of your rotation and and to be super reliable their rookie year. But I do think it's important to have someone you can move forward with, um, rather than just try and squeeze as much as you can out for the window in the very short term for a player that might be marginally better um in the very short term rather than you know look at the long-term perspective and see that we can hopefully bring back austin we can get someone you know hopefully decently valuable at the 17th pick and move forward with somebody like that um after lebron and ad are are no longer with this team or, or no longer playing at the level they're at rather than let's move it for somebody that marginally moves the needle for us for this upcoming season once again, it's the Lakers fast break. It's Stone Hansen, Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast, Joe Sorrell for LakersBall.com, and me, Gerald Glassford, for the Lakers fast break. Truly appreciate everybody watching and listening. I know that we had uh, some comments from Mississippi Dog talking about uh, AD wanting to play the four, messes everything up. I just think that, you know, during the course of the season, Mississippi, that it's just so hard on him physically. Your thoughts on this stone? I know Joe is very adamant on AD at the four. I kind of like that option as well because, again, you know, being someone that is still he's not he's no longer undersized because as he's grown, the body has matured and grown with him on that. So now he is a full fledged center. But you can see it takes a toll on him when he plays the five, as opposed to when he plays the four. Yeah, I mean, I think that's totally fair. That the problem is when you look at our team, um, you have to consider the fact that our two best players are just not very good floor spacers, right? Like they they are not the best three point shooters. And if you add a center who also isn't a three point shooter, you now have three guys that can't really space the floor, and it makes it very difficult in today's league to build around that. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying it makes it a lot more of an uphill battle. I think that you have to be really smart with the five that you bring in. Um, I think that it, it, it every team wants a three-point shooting, rim-protecting big. Like that's it, All 30 teams are looking for that player. Um, I don't know if that's a player the Lakers can bring in or if there's even somebody like that on the market in this free agency uh, I mean, obviously, like Porzingis might be out there, but he's not going to be in the Lakers range, most likely for who they can afford. So, I think that you have to, you have to be. Uh, I think that ideally, it does make sense that you want somebody to, to protect the rim behind Anthony Davis, and you want Anthony Davis who can be like an help side rim protector, but also like a roamer defensively. But you also want somebody that makes sense offensively, because if you have 
Reeves, who's the best driving downhill, LeBron, who's best driving downhill, and Anthony Davis, who pretty much operates from the mid-range inwards, you want to make sure that you have ample spacing or else you're, you're no, no longer maximizing your two best players. Mississippi did correct to say that he meant to say next season. Even if that's the case, I'm not sure on the open market how much he can get with his offensive liabilities as far as Vando on a free agent contract, which he will be on next season as far as looking for a contract. I just, you know, and I know that everybody's hoping that he'll improve and he may actually someday be a 35 to 40% shooter from the sidelines as far as from the side. But as far as an offensive player stone, as you and I both have indicated over the course of the season, Vando becoming that offensive threat, you know, for 48 minutes, I just don't think it's, it's going to ever happen in a, or be relied upon in a playoff format. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I think for who he is and what his contract is, I mean, I think every team wants that sort of player, but uh, they'll only pay so much for it. Yeah. And you have to be realistic, right? Like I've been watching Vanderbilt for, you know, a a couple of years before he entered the NBA and his scoring was never really a big part of his game. That's just not really who he is. You have to, you have to know the player you're getting with Vanderbilt and with any player really. Um, And that's just, he's, he's coming in for awesome defense and that's who he is. He can make really nice short roll passes. I think he can handle the ball a little bit more than the way he was utilized. But I think scoring is just not really like a big aspect of his game, especially as a shooter. And I think that's totally fine because that's not what you're bringing him in for. But you have to be cognizant of the fact that he isn't that. So now you have to figure out in what ways can we build around that. Joe, any thoughts on on what's going on with the 17th pick? Do you have any packages in mind? Or again, you're very steadfast, and I respect that as far as you just thinking the Lakers are just going to go ahead and pick who's ever at 17, the best fit or the best player at that position. So what if on the Lakers board they have a maybe targeted three players? Let's say three players that are must get for them if they're at that position. And they're not there. Do you still suggest them going for someone they're not a hundred percent in love with? No, I, I, you have to be, you have to pick best player available. So I'm 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 pretty sure they're gonna have a board that says Wembenyamba, Scoot, Brandon Miller at the top, and then the Thompson twins, and and so on. And you're just going to wait until you get the best player available at that point. Uh, the Lakers need a few players. They need a big, they need a point guard, they need a shooter, they need someone who can play defense. So you have to pick the right guy at that slot in terms of playing ability. And the Lakers have been very good at doing that. And that's just, uh, I'd say the only one that may, they may have muffed was the uh, Lonzo pick. I think the hype behind Lonzo was overwhelming for Magic. Magic and you can see, you know, and I'm sorry to see my, Michael Jordan go uh, as as owner of the Charlotte Hornets, but he still is a minority, a small minority. Yeah, that, that doesn't something. that means nothing. Uh, majority is the only ownership that matters in life. Sorry, folks. Um, you, Magic, Jordan always picked the TV picks. That's why they were terrible at their jobs. And the Lakers, other than that pick, have pick the best player available, whether it's number two overall, whether it's seventh overall pick, uh, whether it's undrafted players, whether it's 
the 30th pick with Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, you know, uh, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker in the second round. They've been very good at picking the best players at that moment. And uh, the it's, it's imperative in this draft that you pick someone that can be uh, serviceable, at least serviceable for this next year, because that's just going to add more depth and you're going to have youth there. <clears throat> and, I, and you're going to hope that someone like Max Christie can, uh, can, can kind of improve enough to where he at least is somewhat of a threat from the three-point line, and we've seen him have some good showings in terms of defense, and he's continuing to grow as well. So there's got to be this whole thing that kind of comes together at the right time, and I believe with an offseason and training camp of young guys with the two old guys, uh, well, I should I should probably call AD old. He's, he's still young, but you're, you got the two veteran guys that will need sufficient help especially AD in the sense of the reason why we want to put him at the four and have a legitimate center is we can slide him back and forth when need be at the same time. We don't have to worry about having a heart attack when he has to sit. That right there is a huge, huge thing they got to fill up. They got to be able to play somewhat coherently when AD sits. Because I would like to see AD play 35 minutes a game instead of 38 or 39 if possible. I just don't think he's, he's that kind of player. I wish he was, but he's not, um, which makes you kind of appreciate Sha- Shaquille back in the day. I mean, you're talking about a guy that was 100 pounds more than AD, who I know he did miss games, and I know he never played 82 games, but he was always there when he needed him, right? But, yeah, the, the depth part is going to be important this offseason. They have control over that depth. And getting someone in the draft and, and and getting someone for the exceptions and hopefully getting a veteran player that can just add to what we have now. Guys, we got beat by the champs. And two of those games were lost, those four, because they la- ran out of gas at the end. So if you so just imagine if you had two or three more players that can give you a little bit more in those final minutes. We'll see what happens at that point, especially considering Denver Nuggets have have every bit of evidence that they're going to rest on their laurels and not win it again next year. And repeating is not something that's easy. I mean, the Warriors repeated in 17 and 18 because they had four All-Stars in their prime on that team. The last time a team repeated before that was a LeBron out-of-his-mind prime time with... Chris Bosch and Dwayne Wade. And then before then, Kobe Bryant. And before then, Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. You have to be a really special team to go back-to-back. Or you have to have just ridiculous talent like you, like, like Golden State had in 17 and 18. So, and I say this not to denigrate the Warriors. The reason why I say that is the Warriors were a Chris Paul injury away from losing in 2018. I'm just... Again, I watched the games, guys. I'm not sitting here trying to be a hater. I'm not. I, I mean, they were – Chris Paul came up lame, and Houston was rocking them there, going up 3-2, uh, but couldn't close it out because Chris couldn't finish out the series. So, with that, I'm looking for a downgrade with the Denver, Nugget, Denver Nuggets. I'm looking at Boston, unless they can get some guy for Marcus Smart that could take him over the hump. 
because I do think Jalen Brown and and uh, Jason Tatum are going to stay. You'd be dumb to let those guys go, but you're going to need to use Marcus Smart to get some assets that matter. Uh, other than that, I see Boston doing the same thing they've been doing the last three years. If they don't do that, uh, Miami will be the little engine that could, and maybe they might make it to the finals. Maybe they won't. I don't know. Uh, Philly, Philly is a jo- Joel Embiid won as MVP. I believe his his motivation to play even harder will be lessened as well. He cares about individual accolades, and I don't believe he cares about winning championships. And I'd say it to his face uh, while he's arguing with me. Um, James Harden, I don't know where he's going to go, but if I was Philly, I would I would be the most aggressive team in the NBA right now, trying to get somebody else. Kendrick that would Perkins be a had him going to LA today. Yeah, um, and Jordan's going to come out of retirement and come to LA, and Kobe's and 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 uh, Kareem is going to come out of retirement and play center because we need a center. And yes, I can go on right now. I'm, I'm already steamed up about the baseball game. I'm trying to uh, keep my mind focused on basketball right now because if I could see Dave Roberts right now, I would seriously take every piece of furniture and throw it at him. If I was the general manager, first of all, he'd be it would have been fired three years ago if I was general manager, but. If I was a if, I, if somebody somehow teleported me into that position right now, he wouldn't even make it out of the freak. He wouldn't make it to the clubhouse uh, before the end of the game was finished. But anyways, I digress. The Lakers need to continue to control what they can control. I, I don't want to think about what ifs and stupid prognostications because they are stupid. Uh, we learned we should we probably learned our lesson with this Russell Westbrook thing. I know I did, and. Let's see if you can put something together that has depth. You have some youth now, especially if you sign some of these guys. And let's put a system in that allows guys like AD and LeBron not to have the burden on them. That's going to be the important part because when you saw Jokic get into foul trouble, guess what, guys? Denver didn't really lose a lot. They, they still persevered. They still went forward. They still extended leads. That's what championship teams do. And that's what the Lakers need to do. Both Denver and Miami had opportunities with Jokic on the bench with foul trouble. And both, uh, you know, we and the Miami Heat didn't uh, didn't deliver. I mean, they didn't get the lead. They didn't cut down the lead far enough while he was on the bench. And you're right, Joe. It all it amounts to they had enough in the tank, they had enough depth to go ahead and overcome what the Lakers and Miami could throw at them. So Lakers yeah. really only need one more player. Let's say they sign Rui and Austin Reeves. They really need one more player that can make a shot when it matters. If they had had that just, and we were hoping Dilo would be that guy, and he wasn't. We just need that guy that can make a shot that can go, damn it. That's what we need. And then, yeah. yeah. And then uh, hope just, that, and then hope that LeBron and AD can. I mean, you got to give them credit for 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 toughing it out. I hundred percent. AD toughed it out. LeBron toughed it out. It's just that I don't want them to tough it out anymore. I want them to have some, some, some. We're not. We we can't get those fourth quarter sit downs anymore. Remember, we got our first one in the playoffs. We need. We need these guys to be preserved during the year. I would prefer them to have it during the game. I don't want them to take 80 games off. That's where I stand on that. I was just going to say from, I know this is like, you know, meant to be more of a draft 
oriented episode and i'm happy to talk about whatever names you guys want to talk about at 17 or anything else pertaining to the draft but just real quick from a team building perspective i think that it's imperative that we use the assets we have to attempt to get better we have Delo. i think it's important that we try and use his salary in a way to bring back somebody that might be more beneficial to this team or at least look around at our options i think um Mobamba and Beasley, despite them having bad, the amount of money they're making is bad. They are expiring deals, and I think that can be attractive for somebody that's looking to shed a little bit of long-term money with this upcoming CBA. You look around the league, and there's—I mean, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but just in terms of like a possible realistic type trade, uh, moving Bamba for somebody like a Chris Boucher, who's going to be there for an extra year on the books and isn't you know that this full-term answer at center but he is somebody that at least has some level of room protection and can space the floor a little bit and maybe you attach like a second round pick and you can you know get off get help help the raptors get off of longer term salary and address and put a band-aid on the need for this upcoming season i just think there's ways to look at this without having to you know go way over the top of of sending everybody out for a star and addressing some needs with a slightly upgradable type player. Um, just even though these contracts are big and inflated, they're expiring. And I think that holds some level of value to teams looking to shed salary. Um, but in terms of like the draft or anything, I'm, I'm happy to answer whatever other questions you guys have. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers fast break podcast. Hey Lakers fans, looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Once again, it's the Lakers Fast Break. It is Stone Hansen from the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast, along with Joe Soro from Lakersball.com. It's me, Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching and listening. If anybody wanted to hear our thoughts on Bradley Beal, last night I think we were pretty clear on our, I guess, disdain. For Bradley Beal, who uh, I think, uh, and I'll just give you a little bit of hint, as I did in the chat, uh, worst contract in the league. And right now, I think we talked about for years, Russell Westbrook being the worst contract in the NBA. It is no longer him. It is now Bradley Beal. You owe him over $200 million. It's a no trade contract. It's a $57 million in the last year for a guy in his 30s who hasn't shot over 40% since 2016. So you do the math. It's not that good. So if Miami wants them, they can go ahead and have them for all I care about right there. But it is the Lakers fast break. I want to ask you this, Stone, when it comes to what we're seeing with the Lakers, I did mention early in the show that John Pastoric, who is an advanced scout for the L.A., plus also involved in player development, has left the team in order to go ahead and join Frank Vogel and Phoenix. So let's say they hire Stone Hansen to be a part of the Los Angeles Lakers. And they sit him down in the meeting, in the war room, and they say, okay, Stone, what are the best options for the Lakers that might be in and around 
number 17. Yeah, well, if you are part of the Lakers uh, front office and you're listening, I am available for hire. But there you go. <laughs> having said that, uh, my the way I would put it is I'd be very happy if we could get someone like Nick Smith Jr. I think that he's – I've been in on him all year. I know people have a lot of questions. He had injury concerns this year. Uh, he didn't look great. He was in a poor contact with poor spacing. I get all of that. I think that he's still a really valuable lottery pick who provides a level of floor spacing, defense from the guard position, and is a really, really good passer. And if you watched him in high school, I think a lot more people would be in on that line of thinking rather than what they were just able to see at this year at Arkansas. I would be open to trading up a couple of spots if somebody like Grady Dick were there. I think uh, if we were to move... I know Lakers fans are going to hate me saying this, but if we were to move like Christie and 47 and move up like two or three spots and he happened to fall that far, I would be very in on us doing that. I think that he is a two-way player. He's going to have a little bit of on-ball defensive concerns, but I think he's a fantastic off-ball defender who is rotationally very sound. And is you know, this is a very stacked three-point shooting class. I think it's pretty you know uh, unarguable that he's like a top three shooter despite that in this class uh, and you know being like six seven can hit movement shots can hit his shots in a variety of different ways I think that's important and I think that that is somebody I would be willing to trade up with if he were to fall a little bit lower than expected on draft night the other guy that I think as of late I've been really surprised I've been hearing that you know like certain workouts he's canceled and he's starting to drop a little bit on mocks. I don't have like the best Intel as to what is happening with him, but Kassan Wallace is somebody that's been falling a little bit. Um, it seems to be like he's falling just outside of the lottery and maybe the Lakers range. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen draft night. Like I said, I have no level of confidence in, in anybody outside of Wimbenyama in terms of mocking somebody where they're going to go, but I think that um, Wallace would be like another home run pick where he is probably the best off-ball defender I've ever evaluated from a guard position. Um, he's a really good on-ball defender as well. Uh, he ended up taking more of a point guard role throughout this season um, for Kentucky when Severe Wheeler went down and was able to uh, run the pick and roll very competently, grew as a shooter, grew more confident as a pull-up shooter. Um, really strong finisher. I think he just checks a lot of boxes from a defender standpoint. Um, we don't have a point of attack defender, and I think he can definitely be that uh, and, and does provide like a point steady point guard role for us. So I think that's really valuable too. Um, those would be like my three pie-in-the-sky type picks I'd be over the moon about if we were to trade up or they were to somehow fall to us. Like that would be – I'd be ecstatic over those three guys. Um, there's an, another tier I'll get into briefly, uh, and, and that would be like Kobe Bufkin, Bryce Sensaba, or Brandon Pelziemski. Those three guys, I think, um, they're all guards. Uh, I think Bufkin is definitely the best defender of those three. Uh, he is really uh, a solid defender, really solid finisher. To me, definitively the best Michigan prospect in this class um, who can play both on and off ball, I think. Um, sensible. I think I've already discussed on the show a little bit, but is uh, definitely a really high level shooter 
who can create a little bit on his own, but doesn't need to create a ton of space to be able to be super efficient as a shooter. Uh, can really use his frame as a finisher, can finish with either hand. Not the best defender. It's going to take a little bit to get there. Um, but again, my perspective on the draft is you're you're looking at what these prospects are when they're at their best and their primes rather than who these players are their rookie season. I think that's a flawed way to look at the draft. I think you want to look at the draft as to who these players will be um, in the long term rather than their very first year. Um, Podziemski is another guy I think that can be really effective in his first year and can be a good long-term um, prospect for us who uh, really filled in for Jalen Williams' role at Santa Clara. Um, yeah, I think is probably one of the best on and off ball guards in this class, a high level shooter, very high level field guy who can pass out of the pick and roll operate in that way. One of the best um, rebounding guards I've ever evaluated gets after every single board uh, has athletic concerns from a lot of people. I don't see it as that huge with the amount of motor and hustle that he has. So those would be like the top six guys I'd be looking at with 17. Just outstanding thoughts there from Stone. Uh, before I get it back to you, my friend, one thing Search and Destroyer was asking, and also Mississippi Dog, props to you, my friend. Really great uh, conversation and thoughts out there on you know who you think between Jet Howard, which is the name that's popped up, popped up as well, Kobe's teammate, who was actually picked ahead, you know, was in most mocks, you know, this time a month ago was ahead of Kobe and now it's flip-flop. But, you know, you've had some great thoughts there. Imani Bates, as far as once the number one kid coming out of high school has dropped to a second round status, could be someone that the Lakers might be interested at 47 if he goes that low or if you get him in a package as far as picks are concerned. But before I get to Joe, I wanted to ask something that Search and Destroy was talking about. Joe was stressing, and a lot of people are stressing, and I agree as far as AD at the number four. If you don't search for a center that can be effective right away in the draft, like let's say a Lively being at that pick, where would you go next as far as the center is concerned? I think this is a very underrated draft in terms of undrafted free agents or guys even at 47 who, again, you're not usually looking for guys to be like – rotation necessarily reliable rotation players in their rookie years but i think this is one of the classes where you can look at that at the center position we only i mean when it came to the playoffs right and, and ad's playing the five we obviously want a four plate four floor i can't even talk right now floor spacing rim protector at the five idealistically but if that's not to happen, I think you can still get away with AD at the five and have a backup center for 10 to 12 minutes a game and be okay. If you're looking at it from that perspective, I think there's a couple guys that can check that box. Um, somebody I've been really in on for the past several years now who is finally in this draft would be Charles Bidiaco out of Alabama. He was their best defender on one of the best teams in the country in college. Uh, really solid rim protector, plays drop defense really well does nothing but dunk offensively and can pass out of the short roll. I don't really care because if that's your backup center, it can still play competent minutes. That's mostly what I'm looking at and care about. And if it's somebody at 47 or undrafted free agency, you're probably not getting much better than that anyways. So I think that he's somebody that can really be a competent backup center. Uh, and I feel confident about sticking in the league for several years. Uh, two other guys I'd put in that category as well would be Colin Castleton out of Florida. Uh, Big center who a lot of people buy a shooting ability. I don't really. 
but I think he has decent touch around the rim as a finisher. I think he's an underrated passer out of the post. Uh, and I think he is a really solid rim protector, another guy who can just be there for 10, 12 minutes a game, give you some rim protection, hold the line while AD sits on the bench. And I think that that's another guy I feel confident in being a backup rim protector for several years. Uh, and the final guy out there in there who is getting really like no love at all, um, but I do think is is really underrated, at least in this discussion, as like an undrafted free agent or something, would be Trey Jamison. Um, out of UAB, he is uh, huge, um, super muscular. It does a lot of the little things really well as a center. Um, he's a really strong screen setter who not only has perfected the art of, you know, hitting guys really hard with screens, but there's more to that. Um, when you look at basketball, it's directing guys which way they want you to come off of a screen, whether it's over or under that. I think Jamison is really good at that. Uh, he's a really good finisher out of the pick and roll. Um, he's a really solid rebounder, somebody that, um, is probably not as good a rim protector as the other two guys I just mentioned, but can still be okay in that regard. Uh, and has been a really good, almost like blocker in for basketball with the, um, guards that he played with. He played with a lot of small guards at UAB, uh, and was boxing guys out just to make open lanes for his small guards to get to the rim. So he's super strong. Um, I think another guy that's just competent uh, and it is a somewhat of an okay bet to be like this backup room protector for 10, 12 minutes a game, which is what you're looking for out of your 47th pick. What about Evisic at the number 47 spot? He I know his name has been bandied about. He did withdraw? Okay, because mm -hmm. he's still listed in some in some mocks. Okay. Yeah, he, he and his brother withdrew right at the deadline. I'll okay. throw one final name at you, um, who is out of Memphis. Barely, he played very mi minimal minutes, and he's already like 21. But he is another guy that's just like worth taking a shot on as an undrafted free agent. And again, teams now have three two-way contracts. That is huge. That is now an extra spot where you can just take a target, take a shot on somebody that can maybe be a rotation player. Uh, I don't think that's getting discussed a lot out of this new CBA, but it's super important, I think, because that's another opportunity for a team to maybe find uh, somebody that can be a part of their rotation. Um, somebody I would consider with that one of those slots would be uh, Kaurichi uh, Akabundu Iogu out of Memphis, who is basically just like the, the super long super bouncy kid um who can get up there for pick and roll lobs uh be a rim protector and play drop defense um is late rotationally has some mishaps in terms of how he reads things on in basketball but it's just an uber athlete and i think can perform a role or has a shot at performing the role of being a pick and roll guy who can defend the rim for another like 10 minutes a game Joe, any thoughts? You've heard quite a bit so far from Stone. And please, if you can, everyone out there that's watching and listening, please support Stone at UpsideSwings.com and all the great stuff he does with every team in the league. They have great interviews, the whole team. It's really something you guys got to get into if you want more on the NBA Draft as we get closer to Thursday. Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast. But Joe, any thoughts on, on what Stone's been talking about? Well, I was trying to bring something else to the table. Obviously, Stone's brought up pretty much everything and everyone and I'm trying to go off of things that he hasn't talked about so that it doesn't become redundant. Uh, I see that a lot in the, you know, the four letter 
word stations and all those things. An intriguing player in this draft is Derek Lively II. Why? Uh, there's I've heard there's some com comparisons to uh, Tyson Chandler as well as Willie Cauley-Stein, which that's not good. <laughs> uh, and, the, and, and I think a lot of times we compare people based off look. He's got a very wiry body like Willie Cauley-Stein as well as Tyson Chandler when he first came to the league in Chicago. Uh, but he is a pretty solid defensive player with very limited offensive skills other than close to the rim. Now, you guys heard me talk about this during the year. The missed layups, the not being able to handle close baskets. It seemed like what didn't matter whether it was LeBron, whether it was our guards, they just seemed to not be able to handle contact and make shots. And to me, maybe he could be a JaVel McGee young guy. A JaVel McGee had a benefit in 2020 where he got a couple of lobs, got a couple of dunks, knew his role, uh, created enough size to where you had to think about him there. And maybe that's the player because that's where he's kind of hovering. He's hovering between 17 and 22 in all the mocks that I've read. And because we're in an offensive league, I think that's been a detriment detriment to his stock. And if it had been 15 years ago, he might be a top 10 pick. So let's take advantage of that, especially based off what we saw this year, where a center was a focal point of the team. Now, he's not going to be the focal point like Jokic. Maybe. I mean, did anybody think Jokic was going to be a two-time MVP? Should have been a three-time MVP? a finals MVP and the best player in the league as a second round pick. Just saying guys, this best player available guys, best player available. Okay. If all of those game changing guys are gone that they have on top of their list and he's there at 17, he may fill a need. Why? Because I've looked at this year's free agent free agent class of centers, either they're going to get paid fifteen to twenty million, or they're not good enough, or they're Miles Leonard. So, no no disrespect to Miles Leonard, but you know you, it is what it is. You know some people can do what they need to do, and some can't. So with that, it is it, it is going to be a watch and wait situation. And I don't know if I'm going to get excited when we get certain players or not. I don't know. I don't know. We're going to have to see what happens. Um, yeah, real quick, too. I just want to give a shout out to Search and Destroy. I really appreciate you sharing the link. It means a lot, you know, just promoting the work. Um, thanks for doing that. Uh, I, I, I want to just give a brief synopsis on um, – I'll, I'll get to Lively in just a second, but I do think – it's important for people um, this is applicable to anybody listening to be somewhat weary of player comparisons. That's a common thing, obviously used within mock draft time uh, or draft season. Um, it's totally fine. I think to, you know, get a, a, a broader grasp of who a player might be. 
I think you have to take it with a, a large um, chunk of salt uh, because a lot of times player comparisons are not only inaccurate, um, but sometimes they're also just it's stylistically how these players may play as Joe alluded to, or, um, you know, they play the same position and have the same body type. Um, I think a lot of times they miss nuance in terms of what the intricacies of that skill set of a player might be. Uh, and I think it's important to realize that there is no one-to-one comparison because development is not only linear. Everyone has different pathways to the NBA and how they develop, uh, but also each player is their own. So it's difficult to say that they are, replicates of this sort of player um so that's not a knock on anyone that uses them or anything it's just a a word of caution of not taking them overly seriously in terms of um you know thinking that you you hear someone's name in the same conversation as somebody else's uh it's important to not think they are the 2.0 version of that um that said uh, in regards to lively um I, I do like Lively. Like, I think he's going to be a solid center in the NBA for a long period of time. I don't necessarily see a lot of the all-star type upside that a lot of people I know do. Um, that's not to say that those people are necessarily wrong. I'm wrong a lot of times too, but I think that it's important to have a broad variety of perspective on these players because uh, I think we've seen in the past a lot of times people that the consensus has been wrong on a lot of players. A lot of players have been touted as these high-rated prospects and don't pan out. Willie Cauley-Stein is a good example, right? Uh, Jillo Okafor, there's many, many more I could go down the list of, but um, these players were, were highly touted. Consensus all had them as you know top lottery picks. Um, there's players in my mock draft that are, or my big board, excuse me, that are going to not pan out the way I'd thought they would. And there's players that are way away from consensus. I have Drace Walker outside of my lottery right now, but I think it's important to at least hear the reasoning as to why those people may have those sort of um, ideas because consensus has been wrong a lot of the time. So why not listen to perspectives that stray away from that? Because maybe for once they might be right. So um, in regards to Lively, uh, I think that he, um, for me, is more of a late first. Obviously, he's going to go much higher than that. I'm not predicting that he goes in the late first. Um, but I think if he is there for 17 at the Lakers, um, he's somebody I can maybe talk myself into as being a formidable 17th pick. Uh, like I said, I am weary of having three non-floor spacers on the court at one time. Um, and I know a lot of people buy lively spacing, right? He had a huge pro day as a shooter. Um, pro days are something that I think get way overvalued because it's usually one on zero workouts and you have, multiple seasons beforehand of them playing against actual legitimate competition that you can take more out of rather than these empty court workouts. But um, Lively was somebody that flashed some court spacing in high school. And I think that he can be like a formidable mid-range shooter. I don't know if I buy three-point shooting. Uh, Is a decent rim protector, has good ground coverage as a defender. Um, But to me, just profiles more as like a really solid, uh, you know, low-end starter um, as a NBA center, but, um, you know, everyone has their different perspectives and I respect that as long as you have the proper reasoning in in terms of your evaluation behind it. 
Once again, it's the Lakers fast break. Stone Hansen for the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast. Truly appreciate all the time he spends with us, not only during the season, but obviously outside of it, right here talking the NBA Draft. I know he's asked also as well to go ahead as we get closer to free agency and, and in the summer, talking about you know having a stop by after he's done with his draft requirements and stopping by to talk about what the Lakers need to do. And, oh boy, there's a lot the Lakers need to do this summer. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Scarred and Blues asking about the UCLA kids, starting with Bailey. There's also Jacquez. I know those guys are like low to mid second rounders, if I'm not mistaken, from what I've seen. Somebody has Jacquez as, 17, as a pick at 17. I'm like, uh, yeah. where the hell did they get that? He probably, yeah, I think... Jaime Hawkes is probably going to go between maybe 20 a, and 40. Maybe it was Laker Tom in disguise. <laughs> probably. Yeah, I, a lot of Lakers fans probably want him here just because he's from UCLA. But um, I think, I mean, I have Bailey as like a late first and I have Hawkes as like a priority second. I think both those guys are decent picks, but probably just a bit outside of the Lakers range at 17. I think they're they're probably most likely going to be in the late first, early second of where they'll get picked. Now they do get a package like the Indiana package or a Charlotte package, that could change, correct? It could definitely. Um, like I said, I'm open to the idea of trading down, <laughs> excuse me, um, depending on who is there. And the, the, there's a list of names you could go through if you want, but um, there's definitely that the draft flattens out at a certain point. Um, and if it flattens out before we get to the 17th pick, I think it makes sense to bring in two assets that are uh, equal to who you might get at 17. And, and the thought process behind that makes a lot of sense. We talked earlier on in the show about individuals that might drop in the draft. And two names I hear and I see are just dropping just a little, which kind of maybe hints at maybe a steeper fall in the MA draft is the Thompson Twins. If not one, maybe both. So your thoughts on the Thompson twins, Amen and Asar, both very athletic. Both could be you know, very good playmakers at the point guard position or maybe at a wing, but both have shooting issues. Your thoughts on the Thompson twins, and have you been hearing those same things about them possibly dropping below? You know, at one time, they were, you know, at least Amen was number three in a lot of mock drafts. Now we're seeing possible top 10 and, you know, may, I've seen Asar drop a little bit further on a couple of them. So, you know, it's just, it, they're little bit by little bit is what I've seen them drop just a little bit. So it might lead to big, you know, a bigger drop in the NBA draft. Yeah. Um, I, so, so I am, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I, I tend to not, not intentionally, but like I'm, I'm generally, far away from where consensus is with a lot of people. Um, that's not me trying just to be different. That's just, you know, my takes on how I viewed these players and it just plays out the way that it does. Um, I am really high on Omen. I think Omen is a top three prospect, um, you know, unquestionably in this draft and uh, is worth taking a shot on that high. I would really struggle to see him falling past four, even if Houston doesn't keep that pick and they were to trade it to somebody else. I just think that there's, to me, it, it seems that he, Brandon Miller, Scoot, and, and Victor are probably the four in some order in one way or another. Um, and I, I think those guys would 
Cam Whitmore, the hot name. <laughs> he could, he could, and if that were the case, I, I think Almond would definitely not pass, fall past five. All Star is the interesting one. Um, I am probably of any person, at least that I've seen, and again, not like trying to be different, but just the way it's worked out is, I am the the biggest gap between the twins is is probably where I'm at. Where I have Almond at three, I have a Star down at. Uh, currently 21 on my board so i have an 18 spot difference between the twins that is because i think osar is a significantly worse processor than almond is i think almond sees things a lot quicker than osar does i think he's a much better passer than his brother and i also think he's uh, a bit more athletic and osar is obviously a, a ridiculous athlete in his own right but i think um Amen just sees things a lot faster and is able to take advantage of that as a creator and passer more so than his brother i still have a star as a first round pick like I, I think he's still a good prospect i i don't think he'll fall to 21 at all that's just where i view him and where i take him in a vacuum not where i'm predicting him to go um i would struggle to see a star falling out of the lottery and i would say it's most likely if i were to if I were a betting man, I would put him at six to the magic. He just seems like a very magic type player who seems to the, the NBA. There's a lot of NBA people I know that are have a star higher than Amin. It's definitely not consensus. I think most people have Amin higher, but I don't think it's um, unanimous. I think a lot of people still view Asar as a better shooting prospect. And I think that drives a lot of what people might think of Asar being uh, as a better pro the better twin um but i think that it's really hard for me to envision a star falling past the the late lottery uh and, and falling into the lakers range so you say that a thompson will probably be on the orlando magic so that would be the orlando magic picking and choosing a point guard who's very athletic who doesn't shoot very well what are the odds of that happening for the orlando magic <laughs> i think uh i I'll say, like I said, I think Amin probably goes four. If it was Cam Whitmore, Amin probably goes five. I think there's a couple guys in the range of of the Magic picking at six that they might look at. If like Taylor Hendricks are available at six, I think they might look at him. I think Cam Whitmore will be in the mix. I think Asar is just very much in the mix for for the Magic. I'm not saying they'll for sure get a twin, but I do think he'll be in the mix there. Um, and I think he's going to be in the mix for seven, eight, and nine subsequently. Like if he were to fall past nine, I would be pretty shocked on draft night. I think that's that's pretty much his floor on draft night. I only say that because you and I both <laughs> know that they have an affinity for that type oh, yeah. of player. Yeah. So, Joe, uh, any thoughts before we uh, start to wrap things up here on a great episode of the Lakers Fast Break, my friend? I am ready for next Thursday. Oh, that's that's so, good. So am I. <laughs> I think I think the gap. I think Adam needs to needs to take some. God help me for saying this. Take some Roger Goodell uh, uh, notes and Bite try your to always try to create less and less uh, uh, division between activities. You notice that every time the Super Bowl ends, it's combine time right away. Then it's combine, and then right away it's the draft, and then the draft is mini camp, and of course mini camps just basically the the Gestapo of the NFL making sure that you don't practice too much. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't go without insulting him either too. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Stone, before we head on out, I do want to mention to everybody out there that I will be going live. I'm sorry, I have one more thing. So I understand there's certain people that don't want the celebrity of things. Uh, Nikola Jokic is obviously one of them, but that's also a, a big hindrance to the league. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why the league is so dull. Uh, you don't have any baton holders in the league, it seems. Uh, LeBron is at its at its end, right? He still is a popular player, but Jesus Christ, can can someone embrace something ever in this in this world? You know, what happened to the movie star? You know, the guy that loved being a movie star like Jack Nicholson. Where is the 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 so-called best player in the NF, in NBA? When, when, when are you going to just kind of try to help promote your league? These guys don't give two craps. He just wants to go back that. to his horses. Yeah, well, go, go back to your horses then. <laughs> I thought he was going to put a whole bunch in there more than well, what I Well, I can't. Said. I just can't curse. Okay, and I'm not. I'm not it out. And, and I can get brutal too. I mean, this is not a. It's when I get brutal, it sounds like it's personal. It's not. It's just an assessment of what I'm seeing, and just where's where's the pride in being the guy that's sitting on the seat? That's all I'm saying. Like, have he, he some. Sort of... ha, take that responsibility and be be thankful instead of sitting there looking like you're about to cry. I mean, he looked he like just... he was about to cry. At the podium, and at the parade, I get it. Yeah, did not okay. If I, honestly, if I was the owner, if I was the owner, I would be like, "Dude, what are you doing? Like, is is this really how you like? If you're gonna if you're gonna look like this, then just get the hell out of here. I'll, I'll talk to Jamal Murray. He'll he likes he likes the camera a little bit better. So I don't know. I just it just I don't know. It just comes off even even as as boring as Tim Duncan was. I didn't, I never saw him look like he was a. He, he, so he was awaiting the guillotine after the game. You know, he would always have that surprise look to the refs. I always love that. Commit. He would hack someone's arm off and just like have that look to the ref. Like, what? What are you talking about? You know, just that's one of the, I don't say he's the first, obviously, but he's one of the biggest whiners or biggest complainers to refs that I saw in the, in the 2000s. And, and just, you know, I think that, you know, a lot of these players emulated that and took that from from his game, as opposed to some of the finer points of his game on, the, as far as rebounding and shooting are concerned. So, that's what I'll leave for that. But before we head on out, Stone, I do want to mention before Joe goes off on another rant that I will be going on live on Thursday. We're going to be going live with a simulcast on both YouTube, Facebook. Obviously, everything we do on social media, but also on playback as well. We'll have the draft live on our playback channel, plus also YouTube. So you'll get to see us and interact with us on both those outlets and Facebook and all that good stuff as well. But Stone, I know you got a, a lot of things planned from here on out before the NBA draft and in the NBA draft. So go ahead and give everyone an update and give everyone a big plug for what you're doing at the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast. 
Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to thank you for having me on again. I always enjoy coming on here and, and talking draft um, with every podcast, but obviously specific to the Lakers. Um, in terms of where you could find me, uh, all my work will be uh, usually posted on Twitter at report underscore court. You can follow me there. Uh, anything I'm involved in draft-wise, whether it's clipping games and, and dissecting what I see or um, you know, any podcast or anything I'm involved in, I'll, it'll all be posted there. You can follow the web, the website for Upside Swings, uh, upsideswings.com. We have all of our podcasts up there, all of our notes for the podcast. If you don't feel like listening to the lengthy podcast, we have team podcasts. Um, we have our big boards. We're going to have a mock draft uh, podcast that's going to be released very, very soon. Um, you can, uh, obviously, if you're not in, in the Laker fast break playback um, there we're also be running a playback not to, you know, step on any toes or anything, but um, we'll, we'll also be running a draft playback. And if any of you guys want to pop in uh, and say hi at any point, you're more than welcome to as well. Um, we uh, will be doing that. And uh, I'm sure we'll have post-draft episodes as well. Um, tons of tons of stuff going on with Upside Swings. Um, and you can listen to that wherever you listen to this podcast. I will say, though, that I'm very thankful that you came aboard and uh, not only throughout the season gave us such great work, but also everything that you've done for us here in, in what we talked about here in the draft. And thank you so much for, for taking the time out of your day to go ahead and let us know and get us up to date on what's going on with the draft. I'm looking forward to seeing what's going on with, with the upside swings. Now, when you guys do your mock drafts, are you doing it uh, on all the one episode or is it going to be, you know, on several episodes? Yeah. So it's usually our like big uh, extravaganza episode at the end of the season. We do it a lot for fun. Um, it's, it's not what we think is going to happen. It's what we would do as GMs. Um, and then, we invite a couple more people and it's also like just sort of an off season thing where we include trades throughout the draft and, and throughout the picks and all, all that. Um, and we go through all 60 picks. Uh, it's probably going to be like two hours long. Um, and if you want to listen to that and, you know, get, uh, get your mock draft fix in, I know everybody loves them this time of year. Uh, you can go ahead and listen to that. It should be released pretty soon. Okay, I was going to say because, you know, as our, our good friend, Mr. Rafael Barlow, who does a sensational job with Locked On NBA Big Board and Locked On Podcast, that channel did a mock draft over several episodes, and someone at Locked On forgot to go ahead and send out the picks six through 10. So when you go ahead and look at it on your feed, you see all these different one through five, 11 through 15. 16 through 20 and then somebody at the very end said oh i forgot about six through ten and so it's on some of my fees on their channels and it's on not on some others so yes yes I, I was just hoping that you could keep the consistency on that if you go ahead and break it up so. oh yeah it's all one episode one big okay, fat that's, episode that's <laughs> a smart way to go that's a smart way to go because obviously when you break it up like that things happen things happen indeed but Great to have you here, Stone. Again, you're welcome back anytime. You know, Mikasa Sukasa, you know, anytime you want to come back. I know you're going to come back here soon because you want to talk Lakers offseason moves. You already asked me to go ahead and do that. Joe, uh, I know that maybe we might, unless something breaks, I don't think we're doing anything this weekend. So I want you to have a good weekend. But 
I know the rant is probably coming up on Monday for something somewhere. If it's not Dave Roberts, it's something going on with the NBA. But anything before we head on out? I mean, it's it's all tied now with the Dodgers. They blew the the four nothing lead. Okay. All right. It is five five still though. Okay. How about the Lakers? Anything on the Lakers you want to talk about? No. Haven't we said a lot in the last hour and twenty two minutes? <laughs> <laughs> with you it's never enough there's 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 no relevance or substance right now uh i was actually surprised some of the media brought some realistic analyzation in that the lakers are likely gonna just continue to improve the team without stupid trade uh, fantasies and all that and i'm just wanting the draft to, to get here I'm, I'm ready to start seeing that and then July 1 is going to be the next date that we're going to pay attention to and see what, what's going to – I believe this free agency, there's going to be a few guys that don't get the money they want and they could be up for grabs. And that's kind of what I'm I'm curious to see of those players that will be. Well, actually, the free agency starts, I think, on the 30th. Am I not correct on that? I think the, I think I the think CBA that goes it's like... on the 1st. Yeah, I believe it's like one of those like midnight type things or something. Might no, it's be in three. the afternoon. No, it's in yeah, the afternoon. Th- it's in... usually it's three in the afternoon. I think. Yeah, they yeah. made it. They made it an afternoon special. Now they made it something that that it's going to be made for television. So they they actually it's no <laughs> longer course. the midnight deal. <laughs> so they made it for television. Uh, so I believe since it falls on a Friday on the thirtieth. That it is going to be Friday in the afternoon. But Pansy we'll confirm ass. They, uh, yeah. It's <laughs> wrong. All the all the geezers couldn't stay up at night. Yeah. yeah, I I used to like literally take the next day off of work and just do all nighters so I can keep refreshing tweets, waiting waiting to see what the Lakers would do. Timothy um, Mozgov. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you are looking for that time, I believe it's for for most de- for the trade deadline and for. Uh, a lot of other like withdraw deadlines and stuff. It's almost always 3 p.m. Eastern. So if that's the the time you're looking for, I but I think it does start in the afternoon on Friday, uh, if that which would be on the 30th, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So yeah, I think the new CBA kicks in on the first, but uh, you know I think the, the the actual free agency will start then. But we'll confirm it for you ahead of time, and obviously we're going to do a massive special if that's the case and. Hopefully you guys will be on the show to go ahead and interject with your thoughts during that process, because that's always, like you said, a fun time of the year indeed. But once again, it's the Lakers fast break. Truly appreciate everybody watching and listening, looking forward to some great thoughts. If some news pertaining to the Lakers that doesn't piss Joe off comes up this weekend, we'll go ahead and talk about it. And if it does piss Joe off, we might actually talk about it even more. So who knows what will happen, but Lakers weekend. Hoping you will have a great one. Looking forward to fire Dave Roberts. That that needs to go. That needs to start like now. Should have started ten years ago, but needs to go now. I'm I'm done watching this because they're losing now. So. <laughs> I'll I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll use the correct words when we get off here. Okay, fair enough indeed. You did before show, that's for sure. Yeah, Only they're, they're... Stone and I know exactly what you said. So, Yeah, emo is the new word for people who expect better performances. 
That's the that's the new word. The reality is when you make stupid decisions, uh, and you know that they're stupid decisions. You're sitting, I'm, you're some, I'm some schmuck sitting in his in his office, knowing exactly what's about to happen. Yet these a holes are getting paid millions of dollars to everything up. There you go, indeed. <laughs> Once again, it's the over and over and over and over again, nonstop. We champion mediocrity. That's what we do as a society, it seems, these days. We champion mediocrity, and we don't blame anybody for anything, unless it's an NBA head coach, of course. That's it. It's the only yeah. one that... They do get the blame pretty quickly. Yeah, so. because you got pansy-ass freaking players that can't handle a little criticism. That's why. We need a... We need a... Because the, the, the PG version of this is not as entertaining to me. They make bleep uh, buttons. We should get one, and you could just press it when you want to say something. I just, I'm so tired. It, it's, it's. <laughs> he I would am, never press it. I embrace technology. I embrace, even though social media is for the stupid. Social media has been a big part of my business, and how great, uh, and it's, 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 it's a, it's a big, the biggest part of it, and a big, big part of a lot of these companies. But the a- absolute stupidity and moronic things that come from it because of idiots. Who don't know how to navigate it, uh, and of course, you know, watching clowns like this run a, a professional ball ball club that has talent nonstop year in year out, and you have nothing, barely anything to show for it. It's just, it's just mind boggling to me that these these people have freaking jobs. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I, it's amazing. It's amazing how this happens. Porzingis, to answer your question, BC eight oh eight. Before we head on out, I think he would be a good fit. I understand that he has injury troubles in the past. He did have a really good, his best year overall in Washington. He does have a $37 million option. He may pick up. We don't know that as of yet, but even if he doesn't, he's looking for big money that I think would price himself out of the Lakers. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, just their, just their ability to go ahead and get him. So unfortunately I don't think it would be something that we could obtain, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely would be something I would be interested in. Yeah, Porzingis. No. <laughs> well, there you go. You want a broken leg deer running around in, in, in the locker room? Come he on. was healthy all last year, and he had his best year as a pro. No, no he'll get injured in L.A., no. The pressure okay. will break him. You don't get injured in Washington. Have you noticed that? No one gets injured in Washington because no one watches that those games. Bradley Beal does. Bradley Beal's getting paid. Bradley Beal is, is, is one of those guys that has the perfect timing and enough talent to where – an NBA team has to pay these somebody, and he's that guy. The fact that Washington paid him what they paid him only goes to show you why Washington is Washington, and they'll always be Washington. Bill Parcells said it best: "You are what you are, right? You are what you are, yeah. indeed." So, if you wanna you wanna give Porzingis a medal for playing games, okay, give him a medal. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Thanks for winning, Jack. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You knew he was going to do it at some point. I, I couldn't. I couldn't use another word. Was I going to say jack crap? No. Okay. So yeah. All right. He has entertained us enough for this evening. It is Joe Soro. Please go ahead and check him out at LakersBall.com and please subscribe to the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast. UpsideSwings.com. The guys do a great job there. Stone Hansen has dedicated so much of his time to the NBA Draft. You've heard him tonight. Please go ahead and check out all the episodes leading up to the NBA draft at Upside Swings. Enjoy it for another four months, guys. Stone is going to retire at the end of the summer unless the Lakers hire him. 
So yes. start sending those emails to the Laker brass and the ass. And, and we could go ahead and convince, or or we could convince them to stay here, right here at the Lakers. We'll place. we'll need uh, we'll need to get to about a hundred thousand followers on YouTube and some sponsorships, so we can make sure that we can get Stone to shack up somewhere besides LA, because LA is a toilet beyond Staples, <laughs> a literal toilet. I live here and I, I can't disagree. The only much. place that's worse is San Francisco. And there are four toilets there. You hear me, people? Yeah, I said it. Yeah, I said it. Pro- t- tell me I'm wrong. Go ahead. Tell me I'm wrong. I'm not. You can't. But you can't say it because somebody might feel underappreciated or insulted. You. There you go. Everybody in those places, you can eat it. Sit and spin. Clean your ass up. Clean the city up, you freaking bums. Just imagine. So that Stone can go somewhere and live normal a normal life so he can help us out here. Come on. Do it. Sorry, guys. I'm pissed off. I, I, I am. I'm not I'm not uh, feeling right, good right now. This game should have been finished about 45 mother you know what f freaking minutes ago but because of a freaking idiot manager this is this is this is the result all this all this garbage all to go into extra innings right they're trying to save them for the freaking playoffs that we haven't even gotten into yet you you ended up playing these guys another damn hour so that you can save the damn pitcher who's pitching a no hitter that's the thing that pisses me off that's what pisses me off you take a pitcher out who's got a no freaking hitter in the sixth who only pitched 89, who only had 89 pitches in the game and is younger than, than, than freaking newborns. What, what, what's going to happen if he pitches another two, two innings? What? His arm's going to fall off? BZ, I, th- I think I want to focus on free agents and, and Joe's targets and free agency just after the draft, after we evaluate the draft. I want to go ahead and make sure that's a focus because we'll have some shows in between the draft and free agency. So definitely going to be covering a lot of that. I have something for you, BZ. I, I do have something I've been looking into on who are the realistic picks in the summer. It's very similar to the draft in that there, I feel that there needs the Lakers are going to, in, in, in many ways, in all three phases of this, in the draft, in who they resign, and who they get outside the team, they're going to let the market really dictate who they're, who they're going to go with because there's really no player out there that can really move the needle where they could just go, hey, we need this guy. It's just not going to – that's not there. The only guys that are there that are like that are the ones that are getting paid $20 million, which we can't afford. Um, and if anybody else tells you other than that, otherwise, it's, it's, it's just trying to pump up their clicks. Honestly, guys, this, we don't have any money. Stop saying we're going to go get Trey Young. How? Or Fred Van Fleet. How the hell are we going to get Fred Van Fleet? I've been reading articles about that too. Now, when I say reading, I'm not reading it because I don't click on them. They're headlines. They're clickbaits. Don't click on those things so they can go away. Please stop clicking on those articles. Plus, we've noticed there's like 15 different ads that pop up. So I own every ad blocker that has ever been existed on my browsers. So I don't have to deal with it. I just see the headline. Boom. Pass it. We don't have any money, guys, except to sign our own guys and the exceptions. 
So don't believe the whole Fred Van Fleets and the Trey Youngs and the Kyrie Irving BS. It's not possible. I wish it was, but the NBA runs more of a uh, let, let's protect our owners from making bad decision kind of CBAs because they can't they can't help themselves. They want to pay Bradley Beal sixty million dollars a year for I don't know God knows what reason. I think Josh Primo will get another chance in the league, but you know, was he really that good? Was he really that good? I mean, I also think he's just a creep. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. we want that kind of person on our team. I mean, well, we were, you know, a lot of the player base wants Kyrie Irving. So. Yeah. Pre- uh, yeah. Primo's, I don't, I, if I were the NBA, like, I mean, there's things I disagree with in terms of bans and, and punishments they've given out, but Primo deserves, I think, I would not give him a job in the NBA. You, you want to hear some, You want to hear a funny <laughs> quote today? The funniest quote, and I'll end the, end the night with this, which kind of goes with what my the whole theme of what's going on. And I know those who like the rants, I want to give you guys the rants. And I've been getting a lot of good subjects to rant because I, I felt like for a while that I couldn't rant because the Lakers were playing well. This is a quote from Carl Anthony Towns, the guy who's won how many series in the playoffs? How many yeah. series has he won? Yeah. As many as how many? Right. As you and I. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. When my time's up and I retire, there's going to be people who are going to say that I changed the game. He said last year, or was it last season? Yeah, he said last season he was the best big shooting man ever. That I agree with. It's going to be a hot take, but I do agree with that. But uh, what Joe said is asinine in terms of that quote. <laughs> Change the game. Change the game. We have Carl Anthony Towns who thinks he's going to change the game. This is what we have as a this, guys, everywhere. Well, he said it on your favorite players podcast. Yes, I didn't want to mention it. Thanks for ruining. Thanks, G. I really appreciate that. Thanks for pumping <laughs> You're that. Quite up. welcome. There, there, there is this. This is this is it, guys. This is delusion. Uh, Adam Shine, very, very popular radio guy, very popular guy on CBS. He calls it Planet Delusional. One of the best things I've heard on radio is, you're on Planet Delusional. I just thought that was a great quote from, I've been listening to him every now and then for for a few years now. This is the fantasy. This is why, uh, you know, we're not happy. (laughs) The fantasy isn't reality once you get out of the fantasy, guys. That's why when you play a video game and you're excited, and you're playing, and then it stops, guess what? You still have to go to work, and then you have to pay bills. Your, your fantasy, there's no bills in, in, in video games, right? There's no mortgage unless the game is trying to teach you how to pay a mortgage on the game. But what happens when you don't pay the mortgage in the game? Nothing. You die, and then you got to start over. You don't do that in real life. Am I being specific here? Is that good? Is that good enough for you? This is so stupid. This quote makes me feel... I lost brain cells reading that to you. Now I got to go read a book to get it back. <laughs> okay. I will say, though, that if there's anything that does pop up over the weekend, obviously we'll come back and hopefully Joe will have you know regained those brain cells enough to go ahead and do something over the weekend. But otherwise, we're going to catch you Monday with all the latest news and notes for the Lakers. And Search and Destroy says Towns might have been good if he got better. Uh, well, again, he's he's got talent, but calling himself what he has as far as what Joe said, I don't know. That's a you don't got to believe me. 
let's let's use the two guys I talked about in today's show, Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid. Go ask Jimmy Butler what he thinks about those two clowns. Go ahead. Uh, you don't need to talk to me. I'm just guy on some podcast. Mississippi dog. I like it. Uh, if they could actually get away with doing it, I would for Porzingis, but Joe's not a big fan of trading, uh, you know, or at least getting Porzingis. Cause he, you know, obviously the track history behind his health is very much in question. So I like it. I think it would be a shot in the dark stone. What do you think about uh, D'Lo Beasley in the 17 for Porzingis? Who <clears throat> I would consider it. Definitely. I don't know if I'd give a yes or no right off the bat, but I'd definitely consider it. Depends on who's at 17. I think that's 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 100% correct. It's it, 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 whoever it goes at 16 determines whether I make that trade or not. Fair enough, indeed. But once again, Stone Hansen, Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast, Joe Soro, ranting and raving always at LakersBall.com, Simblades.com, and of course, all of us right here. We will be back again. If anything comes up on the weekend, we'll be here. But yes, Search and Destroy Porzingis checks a lot of the boxes. Health, it's kind of like a half check right now. He did have a healthy season, but yeah. Two seasons in a row, we, I'll wait and see. But it is Lakers fast break. We don't hear from us. There's nothing really going on in Lakerland, but there is stuff going on by next week. We'll know for sure because the draft is around the corner and a lot of news, I'm sure, is on the way. And we'll report it. No later than Monday, right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.